This is the sixth Sunday of Easter. We're closely, close on Pentecost now, the capstone of the great 50 days of Easter. And when we get there, we can be reminded of the Sunday school student at St. Matthew's Church when I was first teaching Sunday school, who when they noticed that the Paschal candle was now gone, said, we now do not have to think about Jesus anymore. <laughs> now, in my sermon this morning, I want to continue. We've had a switch of gears about three weeks ago from uh, reading resurrection appearances, thinking about how we appropriate the resurrection and make it part of our own personal history as Christian people to some of the themes that the early Christians were struggling with after the resurrection. How then must we live? What is the nature of salvation? How do we understand the operation of the love of God? And this week we have some reference once again to the importance of God's love. But we also have in the book of Acts a uh, rehearsal of a manifestation of the Holy Spirit of God. And in biblical scholarship, this section of uh, the book of Acts has sometimes been called the Gentile Pentecost. And so we want to talk a little bit about the movement of the Spirit. I was thinking about this because this past week uh, in the national debate in this country has um, raised the issues of how you and I understand how the Spirit of God works in the world and why it's so important. And then I want to preach about the gospel, where the Savior says, I have called you friends. And how do we understand that? What does this friendship mean? Not only with Jesus and Jesus' friendship with us personally, but how do we understand the manifestation of friendship in the community of faith we call the church and its value in all human interaction? Why it's important. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Uh, if we hear the word Gentile these days, I think most of us think of it as a kind of neutral word. Uh, or maybe an affirmative word. I mean, after all, most everybody here is a Gentile. We're all Gentiles here. In the Greek text, the word translated in English as Gentile is ethne. What word do we get from ethne in Greek in our language to ethnic, right? You know what the word means in, in ancient Greek? Those people. It means those people. As opposed to Laos. Our people. And Laos is the word we get, we translate into English also as the laity. Right? Our people. 
So Peter and the Jewish, it doesn't even say Jewish here. It says the circumcised. Wink, wink. Nod, nod. You know, our people are surprised that the Gentiles have received the Holy Spirit. It's a little backwards because they weren't baptized yet, so he baptizes them because it is clear that they are possessors of the Spirit of God. Just as you and I are at our baptism, God coming in an inward way to enlighten and strengthen us. I was thinking, you know, if we read this, we understand somehow that God's work in the world has something to do with bringing those people uh, in. So they become our people and vice versa. So maybe the lesson we learn from this is, well, how does the Spirit of God move? Does it always move uh, in accordance with the appropriate channels? Is the Spirit of God something that is abroad in the world in such a way as to transform the manners, morals, and customs of people, just as it was when Abraham came down the mountain with Isaac and told his community that it made no sense to sacrifice your firstborn son. And the archaeological evidence supplies us with the information that the practice stopped. People didn't do it anymore. Even though it flowed from deep-seated religious convictions and not a little fear. So maybe this is a story about the inclusive nature of the Spirit of God and also that it blows where it blows and does what it does. And that you and I can begin to see that uh, that's a really positive way to think about the work of the Spirit. On Pentecost, I will say this again. When the Spirit of God came on the apostles and the disciples, they came out speaking, it says, in tongues. But what they were speaking was not glossolalia, ecstatic speech. They were speaking the languages of the people that were there. So what the Spirit of God produced was universal understanding and the reversal of the consequences of the Tower of Babel. So that we had clarity. And when we see the work of the Spirit moving on people, we begin to see that this is something that always is moving us in a direction of affirming what the Savior taught, which was that if you and I were to look back at our sacred literature, we would see, and I am announcing in my earthly ministry, that God's saving embrace is both for our people and for those people. So at least it puts all of us on the alert that when we're tempted to think about those people, uh, I grew up with a lot of conversations about they. I don't know about you. They do this. They do that. 
They always are like this. They, right? So as you get a little bit older, you can either march in lockstep with the they understanding, or you can begin to see that that universalizing of the way in which those people behave, whoever they may be, it doesn't bear too much scrutiny. So we always need to be careful about how we think about those people versus our people. And this is a message to those people who within their own sphere also look at us as those people. Okay? So always remember that this sword cuts both ways. Now, in the gospel, we introduce something that is very important to the Christian faith and life. And that is the affirmation that the Savior calls us friends, calls us into friendship with him. We may choose to be his friend or not, but he never gives up. And we need to accept that friendship. And when we do, there is this mutual understanding of the power and the importance of friendship. Friendship, strictly speaking, is the mutual goodwill of two persons who accept each other profoundly in view of reciprocal growth. It means, of course, taking other people seriously. Now, I want to say something about this because I'm a firm believer that there's more than one kind of friendship. And we can't have everybody a friend in the same way. It just doesn't happen. And uh, the commandment to love one another, though, remains in the gospel. So what do we do with that, with people that it's hard for us to be friends with and vice versa? The call to friendship and to love one another, uh, how do we understand that? I had an old a priest who was a, a great friend and mentor to me when I was in Sausalito, and he used to use the old cliché to me, with me all the time when we talked together. And it was, you know, David, you don't have to like everybody, but you've got to love everybody. You know, I used to go, oh, yeah, I, you know. And he's right. And it's possible. Because God gives you the graces to do it. A number of years ago, one of my uh, colleagues uh, in this diocese, uh, they're in my, my colleague group, uh, and we were having one of our meetings and we were talking together, everybody, and um, they said in the course of the, conver uh, the conversation um, that they were in their parish hall, in, in their parish at a meeting, and there was someone who was on the committee that um, was uh, difficult. It's rare in parish life. <laughs> but they were difficult. And uh, my colleague said I was sitting there while someone else was speaking, and I looked over at this person whose face was in repose, you know, just relaxed, quiet. And as they were sitting there, the, the sun came through the window 
and uh, shone on their face. And my colleague said, um, for an, ab- an instant, I realized that that is the way God saw this person all the time. You may have had that experience. It's not, you know, unique. And it's a reminder that uh, God loves us and forgives us and accepts us unconditionally. And as we begin to see the necessity to do that with others, this does not mean not calling people to responsibility. It doesn't mean that. It means to take them seriously, to see them made in the image and likeness of God, just like we are. And by virtue of being able to do that, we have intensified our ability to be the kind of friend we need to be to those we need to be the friend with. We have understood the power of the love of God. We have understood the free movement of the Holy Spirit of God in the hearts of all faithful people. So this week, think about your friendships. Think about the gratitude for having friends who support you and affirm you and share their practical wisdom with you and give thanks for the opportunity to do the same with your friends. Because, you know, that's the way in which you and I make present the Spirit of God in the world. The Spirit of God operates internally to enlighten and strengthen us and the Spirit of God is expressed in relationship in such a way as to bring all of those values that we hold near and dear as Christian people. So give thanks for the opportunity to do that. Amen.